I'm super excited to be hosting you once again after a couple of weeks of no podcasting and I felt like I'm alone and I'm happy to be back to talk to you guys about how can we help our businesses grow, how can we help our personalities become better, maybe you are a leader where you are, how can you change and become a better person for the sake of the organization, for the sake of the people that you're leading. Well, today I'm going to sit down with one of the most important people that I've met in my life that have helped me see things on a different angle. Her name is Irene Fitty and she is the founder of Building a Future, an organization that is based in Buckle West, one of the remote areas here in Kimberley, but they are thriving and they are growing. So the title of this particular episode is titled Thriving Against All Odds. Hey, why are we waiting? Let's dive into it. growth with me your host at Maya Makarich is super super excited today I've got a guest that is somebody that I know and I believe is going to transform your lives by dropping massive information she is a leader who I have seen and I believe also supports the idea of servant leadership and today I'm sitting here with Irene Fitze how are you Irene today Thank you, Admire. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a great pleasure. I'm doing very well today, having you coming to visit us in Barclay with the team here. I mean, that's ecstatic. Thank you so much for coming out here. Thank you so much for allowing us to come. Special mention to Jan and uh, T1 that are here, Dream Chaser, that I work with. They're very great guys, quite innovative, and we appreciate you welcoming us here into your home. And calling it your home, um, I mean, considering that you have moved to Switzerland because of other purposes, I mean, how does it feel to be back in the country? Let me start right there. Oh, because of Corona, I could not come home for one full year. And I usually come home every three months. Yes. So since I moved to Switzerland, um, that is now 20 years ago. For 20 years, I will be three months in Switzerland and three months in South Africa. So this was the first time for me to be 12 months away from home. I am so happy. I'm so happy. To be back in South yes. Africa. We are happy to have you back in South Africa. At some point, I remember the last conversation I had with you is when you say to me, Admire, if you want to come to Switzerland, just say to me, I want to come. And then we will make it happen. And I was just like, wow. Um, I mean, it's very rare that we find, I mean, there's a, there's a book that I love which says, we lift as we rise. Um, but it's very few of people that you meet that are welcoming enough to tell someone mm-hmm. that when you get the opportunity to come, please do come with such an open arm. And um, it's just something that is amazing, which is why I mentioned that from my experience with you, I would identify you as somebody who is so much in support of servant leadership. But how has that been for you so far, the whole journey of you being a leader and the aspect of serving? How, how has that been for you? How does it... Um, come across to you when you meet other leaders, right? You know, for me, um, servant uh, leadership comes in when I was a child, watching my mom and my dad, um, what they do in the community, in the family. That was for me servanthood, servant leadership, really. And I think watching them with what they were doing just uh, sort of like brought me to a point where I, I would have loved to do the same. And I just started to walk into it. Mm. And in that, it came for me of such that 
I enjoy so much to serve someone else that I wanted others to enjoy serving as well. I think that's like an artist too. I've, I've been with you for quite some time at different events where I've seen you doing other things that you wouldn't expect somebody of your colleagues. <laughs> and that is quite motivating yeah. alone. And I got to ask myself that question that if she can do this, then why can't I? You that's know? right. That's yes. right. But uh, let's, let's, let's dive into some of the questions I have lined up for you. I mean... <sighs> There's a lot to you. If I'm to introduce you, I wouldn't know where to start. Um, and I just want to talk to you and understand who is Irene. Um, before we talk about the awards, before we talk about the leadership roles that you've, uh, you, you've been in, before we talk about the organizations that you've founded and so forth, I mean, there's a lot that you've been involved in. But who is Irene before all this? You know, Irene was a young teenage girl who lost her mom in the beginning of my matric year that means my final school here and that really broke a lot a lot within me i just became the person that couldn't believe even that there's a god who loves me because a god who loves me would not take the person i love the most away from me so i was very low and that was the time after my final school here that i went to study at pentec yes marketing and sales management and you know i just i just got lost i just that's where i started drinking alcohol and just becoming the person that i knew i was not supposed to be but i could not get over the hurt of my mom so it took some years before i came to that point whereby i just decided irene this is not it if i look at my younger uh, siblings yes. and think about nieces and nephews that will come then most definitely I have to change I don't want them to be like that and then later in life I uh, became a police officer yes that was another part that <laughs> amused me I'm like oh okay <laughs> and being placed with at the police station in Barclay West was a gift for me then and that was the first time that I really saw how many young teenagers and youth are out there with similar hurt they walk around with so much hurt and you know one of the things that made me turn around was knowing my mom is at the graveyard I can go to the grave but what about the young girl or boy that looks at the mom or at the dad and see them every day lost in drugs and so you have a mom but you also don't have the presence of that yes, mom yes, in actual yes. fact and I wanted to change that and that made me change and I thought one day I'm going to change this. Wow, what a great story. And thank you so much for sharing that with us. Um, one of the th questions that you almost touched on that I had for you was, um, what was the call to change, especially at such a young age as a young woman, during such a crazy time where apartheid was quite dominant? Mm -hmm. What is it that happened that made you feel the dire needs to change? Yeah, you know, it was the fact that I don't have a mom. I don't have an adult in my life that can help me make these decisions or that can just take my hand and guide me i had my dad but my dad also had carried so much hurt because i lost my mom and my sister in the same accident and the other two sisters of mine they were really so traumatized through that whole accident because of the accident yes yes so i i just had to take the lead with all of them and uh i think that the change came when i when I really said to myself, Irene, you are able to make this change. I hear you. And 
you know, once at the police station, they used to bring a young boy all the time into the police station. And one day I asked him, listen, boy, why on earth do you end here every time? Do you know, he looked at me and he said, why do you ask me? Who are you? Do you care? Do you even care? Looks like there's nobody in the world who exactly. cares. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that question really was like a, a knife into my heart, you and know. And the mother instinct in exactly. you as well. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was not even married then. Hey, oh, no yeah. kids, nothing. <laughs> and I remember looking up his address and I went to that shanty. When I got to that shanty, when I opened that door, there was a three-year-old boy laying in the corner. There's no furniture. Only sure. a small pot in the other corner. And I believe they, they do the fire there uh, or cooking there. And I thought to myself, three-year-old, there's nobody seeing me coming into the shanty. And just as I walked out, the dad came, so drunk. And you know, I walked away from that scene. And in my heart and my mind, I thought, if I must be in the shoes of that boy, I would also end all the time at the police station. Yeah, because the, the circumstances yeah. that we get into. Yeah. And that was an experience that really pushed me to, to know, now I have to act. I made the decision, I, I want to bring a change in here yes. for my siblings, family, and, and other kids out there. But that came where I said, now I must act. Hmm. Yeah, that's quite powerful. I mean, what I like about what you just shared is that it raises, uh, it opens eyes of young people out there to say, should you be thinking that um, it's your right to have a roof over your head? Should you be thinking that it's your right to have food on the table? You need to know that there's somebody else who could use that to better use uh, and appreciate it more. And that means we can also help other people because there are people whose circumstances are much more worse than what we are going through. Uh, before we take an ad break, um, I just want to touch base on Buff, building a future, one of the most beautiful initiatives I've seen in such a more, I would, I would call it a remote area when it comes to technology and access to, 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 to markets or sponsorships and so forth. How did you get to a place where you started the whole idea? How did it come about to create that initiative? A dream. You know, with that experience, yeah. that thoughts... I knew I have to start somewhere and then I was in Israel one of my dreams was one day to see Israel okay you know and I just knew I mean I grow I grew up with um, getting to know the Bible and yes. I thought Israel is the place where you can experience all of that and really my first year of work I saved up to go to Israel wow. and I went over there and I met with someone from Switzerland she's still my friend today is after it? I think 24 years. I also wanted to ask yeah. the same question. How, how did we end up in Switzerland? But yes. She's still my best friend. And then uh, I met with Monica in, in Israel because it was that year, the Worldwide Pentecostal Conference, and we met there. And you know, at that, um, at that time, she invited me to Switzerland. And I said, uh, you know, having the thought about white people i knew europe is white for me and i thought i don't want to be there so that was me irene imagine right the box that we place ourselves in and see yes. what plan god has yeah my plan totally was you know, not to get there yes and then i said to her no you can come to south africa but i don't need to go there but then um she said okay I'll go to you if you come to me. And I said, okay, that's a good <laughs> deal. Give each other conditions. Yeah, and we thing. also did that, right? Yes, we yeah. also did that. So when she came 
to South Africa. I invited her to bring four or five other young people to South Africa. Okay. And I went to every school in Barclay. Yes. And I went to ask them if they would allow me with the Swiss white people to come to. Very I knew Matalang and De Beers Heights, you know, the colored school yes. and the black school. I knew there it would be okay for me, no problems. It was also no problems. But at the white school, I knew then the then called white school, you know, it's open today. Yeah. yeah. But then I knew that, but I knew saying Switzerland and they knew it's a white, it's a group of white young people. Yes. That would be the key. And it was the key. And I really went to those young people at the assemblies and I said, listen, this is who I am. I want to do something over here. If you are interested, this is my address. This is my house. I have nothing except my talents and me. Come on this day, this time to my house and we, do the, we will have a program. And I remember five girls came. Wow. And out of that five girls 24 years ago, we've got today Mzanzi Center standing. We beautiful. serve over 510 fa registered families at Mzanzi Center. Yes. We have kids from all over. We moved from just the Beers Heights, Barclay West to Mataleng to Stillwater, Kilani, um, Kilani. And I even have one of my ex-rising star young girls yes. who started the same work in Postman's Burke. Wow, that's so, beautiful. So she brings those kids over here as well. So yeah, it's just leaders that's where it, it. That's right. Peer leading peers, and you grow from that young age, very young age. We take them into leadership, and that's how you grow yourself up. But this is building a future. Of course. In a nutshell. It says it. It's, by, <laughs> just by mentioning the name, it says a lot. I mean, now that we're talking about building a future, before we go for the ad break, my last question to you is: Innovation is born out of limitations. So my question is. Knowing, uh, having been at uh, Building a Future and I've seen how things happen there, just amazing talent that you see there. If you check online, there's a lot of stuff that happens there. I've seen the websites. Now my question is, what are some of the limiting factors that maybe uh, stop you guys from being fully innovative to a space that you want to get to? I mean, we've got people listening from all over the world and you never know what somebody could think to do for us um, with right. building a future. Yeah. What are those limiting factors that affect innovation to really be fully effective into the system? You know, one of my limits when I was younger was being a woman. And uh, being a woman and starting out of work like what I did then, if you would go out and ask for, for funding or sponsor, you know, the yes. first reaction would be she's a young woman. And they would rather, if it's most of the time it was men who were in these authoritative situ uh, seats yes. and situations. And the first thing would be, it would be so lovely to get her first in bed. So Before, that's really yeah, what yeah. they tried. There's a time that became a norm and that's I think right. it's even rising up to this. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And I was, I refuse to, to in any way not use the integrity, uh, the honesty, the faith and whatever truth there is into what I am doing. So I refuse that. I can rather go without the money. I can rather go without the money than to do that. So that was really one hard, that was one hard time in my life. Wow. But then I came to the, the conclusion, you know what? This yes. happened for a couple of years, but you made it. So mm. you don't need that. Yeah, and I started to stand up as a woman. Yeah. You know, I started to stand up in the sense of thinking, listen, 
then I go without the money and I use the talent that I have. And at that stage, I became creative and innovative in thinking, work with what you have, Irene. Yeah. And you know, you're going to turn around and show these men what you have done. Wow. And that became the factor for me to stand up as a woman. And I, I would really love to build that in young girls as well. That is truly. That, I, that was one thing. And, and for me today would be the fact that our young people don't have dreams anymore. Yes. They don't have dreams. They don't have desires anymore. And I understand it because of a lack of finances, resources, you know, no help from from adults yes, true, true. who has the right motives that's right yeah. to have the right motives because i experienced the time when they had not good true. motives you yes, know yes. and a girl in need are being abused and mis misused because of this so so the fact that there's no dreams there's no there's there's nothing no ideas coming from yes. them so so that's really really a struggle but in building a future we bring that out especially in the leaders and my time, especially now being in Switzerland and having them here running this whole program, is um, it, it's the perfect opportunity for me to say, I'm not thinking anymore. I'll put, I'll help, I'll stretch my hand if you need it, but you have to come up with the idea. Yeah. You have to come, you observing. So I'm teaching them from a distance right now yeah. how to observe, take what they see and with a the little they have, build on that. I'm sure the reality is only kicking in now in their minds. I'm, I'm imagining the time they knew that um, you're going to leave in the next probably three months. Mm -hmm. It still was not really that hard as it would be now on their shoulders. Yes. So I think let's take a quick ad break. And when we come back, I want to talk about um, more into your leadership strategies and styles. Let's just go for a quick ad break. <laughs> So, we are super excited here at Blackspot to ask you this question. Now that 2020 is ending, have you thought about rebranding your business to fit into the new normal? Have you thought of positioning your brand to be able to fit into the digital transformational era that we are getting into? If you haven't, please send us an email at pblackspotmedia at gmail.com so that we can give you some of the packages that we have regarding the rebranding issues. Should you want to know how to talk to us on WhatsApp, please feel free to send us a message on our WhatsApp platform and the number is plus 2781-427-8898. That's 081-427-8898. Welcome back to Point of Growth and we're still here with Irene Fitzy. I mean, there's a lot to her and I'll get to tell you more just after we hear more from her. I think we should do justice to the fact that we are graced to have Irene in South Africa and to even get an appointment with her, something that doesn't happen very often. So now as a leader, let me put you on the spot. What would you say you find uncomfortable because I know in leading people there are times that you get to do things that you are not comfortable with but they have to be done for the progress sake so what is that that you'd say maybe one or two things that you'd say these are things that you find uncomfortable this is more like referring to your personality um, what are those things oh, my thing is really going out and ask 
for finances and support. That's, yeah. that's, that's a weakness that I have. I'm so used to working for something, something you know, yes, to get yes, something true. and finding an idea how to, how to strategize it and to do it. And I could do it for say about 12 years until the project got big, bigger. Yeah. You know, the, uh, I had at times 300 kids it's it's a lot of kids for a program yeah, yeah. you know and so more funds that, for that. exactly i had to I, I didn't know how to get out of this one person thinking and thinking irene you have to open up to partner almost and yeah. go out and ask you know and at this stage we still don't have anybody volunteering to do that part for us oh building a future would love that person into pieces you know yes. who can just yes. come up and say i'll do that part yeah and i still don't have it so i'm stretched to do that my husband is the same he's also one that not that can't do it it's just yeah. a weakness in us so that's very hard for me when it comes to leadership and I think the second one that's most important to me is to realize that I've got a problem as a leader yeah. and I don't have the resources to help furthermore. Mm. And that affects the growth. Well, that affects the growth a lot, not just of the organization, yes. but even of the person that you deal with. True. So, so that is quite challenging to me. Because you know, let me just give an example yes, to understand. Please. I've got a, I've got a mother with three children. Yes. And there's a big problem within that family, and I can listen to her, I can help her. But I, for example, don't have the finances to get it to a social worker in Kimberley, which is 35 kilometers away from me. Yeah. I don't have the finances to help her get the kit to a preschool. Yes. So she can find a work, but how can she work if there's nobody to look after the children? Child. It's another problem. It's another problem. Yeah. You know, I have the little boy who has been abused at a very small age. He's only seven now, so you can imagine what age yeah. it could have yeah. been. Crazy and age, yes. that boy needs help, but I don't have the resources to help. Yeah. So that's challenging for me as a leader. Mm. You understand I can give as far as I can I can help as far but I can't get to the where I would have loved to get to so you. that is a second thing that can be hard for us in leadership in situations where you don't have a support yeah. in all areas needed I hear you wow but by the grace of God I'm sure we'll get to a point in time That's right. where we are able to stretch our arms and help those that are within the reach of our arms now, let me reference one of my favorite thought leaders, global leaders, Craig Rochelle. I'm a fan of, of his work, and there's one thing that he spoke about in one of his podcasts, and it, it really changed my life as a leader in our organization as well, where he spoke about the concept of leading up. So knowing that there are a lot of young people that are involved in leadership roles within the Building a Future organization, even during the time that you were there, I can reference that there are things that you as a leader we would expect the leader to do uh, but you would send up the young leaders building them so i just want to know how your has been your experience considering that you are also now submitting to other leaders who might be young in the switzerland um what, what what's the scenario like in your leadership journey and in your journey as being led by other people and how do you feel about the concept of leading up 
You know, I just believe that leadership is the position that you can receive from God yeah. to build a younger person to take that leadership where you are in. So for me to be to have been able to at a very early stage I think we exist for 24 years and 4 years into my into the existence of building a future nonprofit organization yes I got the idea to get leaders in and I took sometimes 10 year olds from the smaller group age group to lead the others because I was alone. I was alone in leadership with 50, 60 kids. So what did I then decide? Take these kids and let them stand out as leaders. And you know, those from that um, six to 12, uh, to 12 year old group became then the leader in the teen group. Yes. And then later became the leader in the youth group. Yeah. So in taking them, uh, um, firstly identifying them, and helping them to, to realize that there's something deeper that you have to build within you and that's leadership which they did not understand do not understand at that age but to do it age appropriately already to tell them then you know what you stand out mm. and standing out means serving the others so I build it already very early within yes. building a future mm. and that is why I think um, God found it the right time now to let me move out and stand almost like in Switzerland on the Alps in the yeah, mountains yes. and look over to South Africa mm. and see the and see what I've been doing so I'm, I'm, I'm experiencing in leadership the opportunity to have been given over after 24 years a work to the leaders that some of them are 16 years with me mm. so it's like looking now and see let's see what did you learn in this time yes. am I Irene busy leading in the right way you know yes. because it's only when you give over that you enjoy the fruit of leadership. That is very true and quite profound. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a lot of information for one to take in and I've, I just wanna ask you this, this, this question. As a leader, on your normal day-to-day -day life, you have principles, you have things that you stand by, you have things that you say, this I cannot break. Mm -hmm. What would you say are your top five non-negotiable principles? five things that you say this I cannot compromise on <laughs> this is such a good question okay for me firstly I'm a married woman I yes. love my husband his name is <laughs> Steven yes. Steve is Swiss in actual fact Stefan because of Switzerland yes. Stefan but we English is Steven I love him and having these distances between us it calls for a lot of commitment, mm. discipline, yes. and love, and working on this marriage, yes, working course. on this relationship. So I don't compromise there. That's my husband. I love him, and I'll stay with him. And he made the commitment too. I trust we will just carry it through, you know. And then secondly is um, my kids and my extended family, my sisters, my dad that I still have by the grace of God. Yes. Oh, I love them so much and I desire the best with, for them. So I will not compromise by letting my, my um, example and my testimony fall. I want them to look at me as an aunt and a mom and say, Ma, if you could do it, Auntie, if you can do it, I want to do greater. Yes. You know, so I... I, I I would not compromise my testimony 
and uh, what goes along with that. And then I will not compromise the kids I work with. I'm not prepared to sell them out. I'm not prepared to give up on them. I see them as these lilies in this dirty pond. So they have dirty circumstances, dirty past, but they are these beautiful lilies on top of it. And then fourthly, I will not compromise my relationship with God. That's in everything. Yes. In everything it is. I, I, I love God. And I, I stand in that. And then lastly, I will not compromise the heart I have for young people. I know I'm so busy. Yes. But I said to myself, when you ask me to come and do this interview, I will do it. Why? Such a handsome young man. <laughs> I will, even if I must just do so little to help you. It might not even mean a lot, but I want to do it. I'm not prepared to let our young people just be. They need to reach what God has destined them to be, and they need to do what their hearts find to do in the midst of our lack of so many things. But they can. Very, very powerful principles. Thank you for sharing that with us. Now, I want to give you a scenario. Let's assume there's a young girl deep in the rural areas, somewhere in the Northern Cape or in Limpopo or in, in the Eastern Cape, where probably they don't even have access to the internet. They do not even have access to a cell phone. How can I make it? What is it that you can? Maybe just to give you a minute or two, just to say something that can help another child that is out there that needs some, some someone to just speak words to them. I mean, a lot of times when I get invited to speak somewhere, I meet people who will tell you before you even speak, they say a lot of people who are in positions where they get to motivate us or inspire us, they always want to say start where you are, but they don't understand right. what exactly is the situation right. and the circumstances that are where we are. So what are the words of encouragement that you could share with us just to give to somebody who might just hear this by chance? and yeah. not because they have access to it but just by chance that's so beautiful that you ask it because these are our kind of problems exactly what you speak about yes. that we have here yes. at, at building a future what i did during this lockdown and the COVID year yes till now i know i've got kids who don't have access to phones and whatsoever yes. i've asked people to give money to buy phones to them that's and that's what we did yes you know just so that they have that we at the center we just asked that the library was closed for four years in barclay west and after yeah, I remember I news yeah that that i i just got up and say this cannot be it's such an important institution they came and put it up at the center we've got we had then the the connection there I bring young people here to my house to connect, to do their studies, to do open up your house, yes. open up your possible the possibility. But most importantly, go out to those areas, go out to that areas because they feel rejected. But the fact that you just come, that tells them you welcome them. And that's all they want to feel. And that's how you bring it in. But we know technology. So the phone you have. And, and, and buy a phone and give it to a child because we all know it's COVID-19, right? Yes. They need it now. Today, I, I went to pick up a child at school who had to be at school because they put the app on their, their cell phones. And my first thought was, what about a child who cannot afford this? Sure. So there is a neighbor next to you who needs it. That's very true. Find out. You can afford a phone. Buy that child a phone and say, please use it for your, your schoolwork. That helps. Wow. Your last words as we're closing up our podcast, what do you want to tell the listeners? What is that one thing that you want to say to everybody that can just help them become better people, to the leaders that are out there, to the people that serve under leaders? What is it that we can share with them that can help their journeys and their careers become better? 
I want to tell our listeners thank you for listening. Thank you, Admire, for, for this. I want to tell you, Admire, go out and get more admirers. And I'm talking about admirers that strive for success in South Africa. We are being looked down on many times, but we are more than what those eyes see. Don't listen to them. Don't look to them. Look at your path. See your goal and go for your goal. And in whichever way you can, find someone that have that faith and trust in you. Sometimes it's even your mother that believe you will be better than whatever. Sometimes it's someone else. Go find that person and stick to that person. But go for your goal. Wow, wow, quite powerful. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for staying with us here at Point of Growth. Irene Fitzy gave it all away, and I believe, if you want to agree with me, the time was quite limited, but we did benefit a lot from this episode. Thank you so much, Irene, for joining us at Point of Growth. Hopefully, the next podcast will be in Switzerland. Yes, <laughs> thank you so much, Admire and our team out here. I'm looking forward to you coming to Switzerland. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Should thank you, you find us in Switzerland, thank God for Irene. <laughs> yeah, and that's the end of this beautiful episode, and... Stay blessed. God bless.